0: How's it going, everyone? Today our special guest is legendary character actor Vernon Wells. Uh, you've seen Vernon in movies such as uh, Mad Max 2 as Wes, Interspace, Commando, uh, the iconic role of uh, Bennett, and numerous uh, other movies and television shows, and it's great to finally have you on here, Vernon.
1: Thank you, John. It's... it's um, uh i'm happy to be here and i guess i should talk to you uh, i'll be back john
0: <laughs> i appreciate that was everything going on in the world with covid and obviously you're in an industry that was one well, of the first to shut down it'll probably be the last to come back like it was before how has that affected you kind of mentally and physically
1: um well, I, I think my wife would say that it's affected me mentally a lot because I'm a lot more aggro than normal. I, I tend to get a little bit like a caged bear after a while. Um, it's it's uh, it's it's different. I mean, I'm I, I notice that the industry is changing in a lot of ways, which are good, a lot of good ways. Um, And then there's also a lot of bad ways that are changing uh, as, as happens. But I'm, I guess I'm luckier than most people because I'm still being booked onto films that will be shot either at the end of December or into January, February, March, April of next year. People are, are organizing their schedules. So I'm being booked into things, but it's still, It's frustrating from the point of view of, of, I've uh, had about four or five films put into hiatus. And and I think that's frustrating from an actor's point of view. That's what we do for a living, you know, and suddenly like uh, all of that, that's where I get all of my energy out is on the set.
0: One of the things I've noticed, you're very active too. Like if you go on the internet movie database, it's like, you're so busy and to have you, to see you have that passion still, is that what drives you? Because you actually do really love what you do.
1: Uh, yeah. I, I adore what I do. I love what I do. I, I have two passions in life. One is acting and the other is my wife, unfortunately, um, she would say. Um, and uh, I, I, I love acting. I love producing and I love directing. I'm getting more into directing um, a lot of stuff with my partner, Brian Martin. And... Uh, It's something that's never gone away. You know that for a kid that was born on uh, uh, um, in the country in Australia lived with his grandfather for most of his young life until he became a young adult. I feel blessed that I've I've gone as far as I've gone. I mean I have been incredibly lucky. um, I've been able to create uh, characters that people seem to um zone into and keep as part of you know never have a manager they're going to ring you at all the wrong times that was my uh, yeah that's my manager ringing me to ask me a question um it's uh i just you know, I haven't gone past the childish attitude of of being surprised every time I'm I'm hired. Um, I'm always I always feel blessed when I do a film. I always do my the best job I can do. Um, and it, the funny thing is, is that while this COVID nineteen's going on, I'm winning best actor awards for films that are now being released onto the circuit. And it's like, oh, this is weird. You know, it's, it's stuff that I did two, two and a half years ago, three years ago, that is now coming out because of COVID, right. and I'm like, this is this is ridiculous, you know, I'm, I'm, but hey, I'm enjoying it. I think it's wonderful, and I, I just, um, I'm very upset for, for all the people that are suffering because of COVID. You know, we are very blessed where we live. Um, we live down by the coast. It's really nice. Not a lot of people in the in the community we live in have, have had COVID or, or uh, suffered from it. People are very, apart from the people on the beach who seem to think that running around without a mask and, and cuddling each other is a great idea. Um, everybody else where I live is very um, conscious of staying apart. The restaurants won't let you in unless you have a mask. You have to sit outside all this thing. So I think we haven't been as affected as a lot of people. The only person we knew that had COVID was our uh, builder who um, we found out. He went missing for like six weeks and we couldn't find him. And it turned out that he had contact, right. contracted COVID and then his whole family got it. And uh, everybody got over it, fortunately but that that's he's the closest uh, person to us that uh, had it but um, we still you know I I still feel for all these people that are suffering people that I know that have lost very close friends or family it's it's and then you know you still have people saying well you know it's just like the flu Well, you know what I think if I got the flu and my uh, doctor gave me a a shot I'd be over it real quick Um, this you know, it's it's the unknown, I think, that scares you. It's like going into a film that, that you don't know any of the actors, director or anything else and you don't speak the language. It's terrifying um, because you, you know that you're on your own in your own way. And that I think, you know, I had this chat uh, to Gracie uh, a couple of months ago and it's still on my mind is that my biggest fear is if that I did get it, I would die alone. And I think for people or for humans in particular, that is a terrible fear that you're going to be you can't have that that compassion before you die you know you're right. going to die. and i think that's probably the biggest fear i have uh through all this but anybody that wants me to work with them is is very conscious of being very covid 19 um uh you know making sure that we are we're following all the rules regulations and everything so that everybody's safe right you'll uh, we'll appreciate but once again Right. I, I'm, you know, I wish we didn't have it, and I wish the whole world was back where it was. But, you know,
0: before you <laughs> got your big break in Mad Max Two as Wes, you were doing a bunch of stuff from salesman working the quarry to theater to everything in between. What from those learning experiences and previous jobs helped you become the the character? <laughs> You
1: begin. He's going to drive me mad. Hang on a sec. i I'm going <laughs> to switch my phone off.
0: I love
1: it. Uh, it. It's just seriously. It's he never, he hasn't run me for like four days. Now, suddenly he's got to ring me every time. Yeah, I'm on, I'm on airplane mode. He can ring all he likes. It won't affect me. Um, it, it It's funny because I never wanted to be an actor number one Uh, it it was one of those things that never ever entered my mind my mother was a songwriter Uh, she wrote for slim dusty people in australia Um, she was quite successful her songs got done but when i was born uh, she gave that up which was what happened back then you know you didn't have a career and a child you had a career or a child and i came along so my mother's career went down the toilet Um, and i became Uh, the one uh, that that seemed to be the only one in the family out of all my siblings that had any inclination to enjoy anything that had to do with with um, music or anything else and uh, I thought I thought I'd follow my mother's footsteps I got into bands in Australia big bands and became a um, front of band a singer lead singer in, in some quite big bands um, and that was where I saw myself, because it was like following in my mother's footsteps, letting her know that she had succeeded in her own way with me. Um, acting, you know, when I, when I was growing up and living on the farm with my grandfather, the only closest thing I got to that was radio programs in the morning before I went to school. You know, Biggles and Superman and and uh, all of those wonderful 10 minute Uh, radio shows that came on early in the they don't have them anymore unfortunately but they had them back then and they always ended with a cliffhanger you know the man with the kryptonite will superman survive you know and you're terrified for 24 hours The superman might die forgetting of course it's superman um but it was this whole that was it for me and it didn't it didn't appeal to me in a way that that i wanted to be that person or do that thing and um, I, I just started, uh, I went to, uh, went back to Melbourne, lived with my mother when I grew up and started going to to school. I went to school down there, to uni down there. And my father wanted me to have a career. Um, I was always a bit of a wanderer um, and uh, with the bands and everything, he wanted me to have a career. I was very, very strict on that. So I got a degree in electrical engineering. and once I got that I thought well I've got my degree in electrical engineering that should uh, satisfy him and I'll just wander up and do what I want to do which was singing in bands unfortunately I was hurt uh, quite severely in a accident with the um, equipment truck that we had for the band and I uh, compressed uh, three vertebrae in my back so I was having a lot of trouble standing and walking and while I was recovering they, uh, my our manager took my photograph around to all of the different agencies because he, seriously, he just wanted to get rid of me because I was a pain in his ass. Um, and so I was like, if I can get him a job, I'm not going to have to put up with him anymore. So I got a job virtually modeling. I, I started off as a model, did not like that. It was like boring after a while. Um, and then they put me into being an extra in things, which I liked. The reason I liked it was, I could go behind the camera and talk to all the crew, and I loved that. I was more interested in what they did than what I was doing in front of the camera. And I got to do a lot of um, shows um, as, like, the uh, the star's right hand man who said nothing. He was just there, you know, like the whole right. thing that was always there, the, the shadow in the background. Um, I did a lot of that, but didn't really intrigue me that much seriously it did if i was riding horses or i was driving cars or trucks or something um that intrigued me i loved it i had a lot of fun but mostly i just was more interested behind the cameras and i actually started working for one of the um, top uh, directors for commercials in australia as his assistant and i worked my way way up from that to being um, a director in the company And that's where I sort of once again I thought that was my career, you know I thought singing was Now I thought that directing was my career And I got asked to do a stage play Called Hosanna by Michelle Tremblay A French-Canadian writer Um, There's only two people It's a two-hander It's about uh, two hours of um, two people Um, And it's quite hard to go It's a transvestite and their boyfriend Well, that kind of Born in the country, wrestle cows, you know, I'm going to play a what? Mm, No, 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 not happening. Um, And actually, uh, my brother talked me into it. He told me I was a wimpy little homo twit to go and do it. You know, it's like, oh, thanks, bro. You know, I'm glad you're standing up for me. So um, I eventually said, okay, I'll do it. And uh, as happenstance would have it. My grandfather always used to say to me that we have a career path and a life path and we follow them or we don't. And if we, if we veer off, we'll always be brought back if it's our destiny. And for some reason, I just kept being brought back to acting, you know, and so I was doing this stage play and as happenstance would happen, as I said, um, we used to have in uh, Melbourne, Australia, they would have a, a Friday night late show once a month so that everybody that was working in theater could come to the diff, you know, one or two different shows or would play a late show and uh, George Miller, director of uh, Road Worry, his girlfriend at that stage Sandy Gore happened to come to the performance, saw me rang up George and said, you've got to come and see this guy you know, he just, right. he just and uh, so George and I I had no idea, by the way, who George was. I'd never seen Mad Max. Um, he came down to Melbourne. We went out and had a cup of coffee, told dirty jokes to each other, had an hysterical time. He left. I went back to my life and had no idea why the hell I'd had coffee with this man called George Miller. Um, a couple of months after we'd had coffee, my uh, manager rang me and said, you got to go to Sydney for wardrobe and uh, makeup tests for... Uh, Mad Max 2. I said, "Mad Ma- uh, what's a Mad Max 2? And she went, you've never seen Mad Max. And I went, what's a Mad Max? I mean, sheesh. You know, and she said, Vernon, do yourself favor. Go see it before you go to Sydney. So I went to the drive-in. It was at the drive-in. It was a double feature with Duel, which was Steven Swilwick's first movie.
0: Yep.
1: So you had Road Warrior and Duel. So I went and saw them at the drive-in and uh, the next day my manager rang me and she said, so what did you think? And I went, Duel is such an amazing film. Oh my God, it is so good. And she went, what did you think of Road Warrior? And I went, oh yeah, that was pretty good too. <laughs> so I thought the Duel was the greatest thing, um, which was not a very auspicious start to my career. So I went up to uh, Sydney, did the wardrobe and makeup um, things, George loved everything and uh that's where it all started i mean it was destiny as they say i went and i i was an unknown actor who became the co-star of one of the biggest films of what the last 50 years or something back then it was just huge
0: and uh so as you start building that role, at what point did you start kind of give kind of creative freedom to really build upon this character, like in terms of the costume or dialogue or kind of like your mannerisms? It, it's so iconic that I tend to believe that this eventually became you, or you became this role halfway through, and George was just like let's go with it.
1: it. Yeah, there was a lot more to it than that. George is very. Um... Uh, clever as a director for a start he what he did was for about a week we all the cast had to write a biography of when we're from the time we were born till the time the film started of our character so we had to do a background and every morning we would go in we'd all be sitting around the table doing basically a table read of what we had written and terry hayes and george miller and brian Hanna, the the three writers of the of the film would critique it and say oh yeah that's good like that no no throw that out that's crap that's crap you know and what would happen then we'd go home and rewrite that night excuse me we'd then come back next morning we'd do it again so by the end of the week we had established a character from the time he was born till the time the film started we knew who this character was inside out and from that George allowed us to do the parts that we were doing like we had built a character the mannerisms the way i reacted to things that all came about because of writing continuously writing and then i became the character i mean you're right the character became me i became the character so uh the most directing that george would do to most of us was he would say give me 150 percent so we would be way out there and then he would bring us down because he always liked that energy you know that that full on especially with my character you know because the big eyes and the, the close-ups in the camera being what I was he always wanted that energy and if it was too much he could bring it back but he could never take you up there so he would always want you way above and then just bring you down and so it was uh, it was a learning experience for me and a, an incredible one because I got to hang out with George and I got to hang out with Byron Kennedy the producer that unfortunately was killed in the helicopter crash and um, I even was in on some of the editing sessions in Sydney watching how he edited the film so I got to have this amazing apprenticeship with what my career was going to be from this man and then I had um mel mel who was the most amazing person to work with he was just such a gentleman to me and he was so helpful to me and um all the other actors in that i would say that 90 percent of the other actors in that film had screen credits and right. were big. mine was vernon wells that was it you know, a lot of space under my name, you know, there was nothing there. And yet everybody treated me with the best, the, the most respect and gave me everything that I needed to make that character work, which I was so thankful for. Not while I was doing it. Strangely enough, while I was doing it, I didn't realize what they were doing. But sometime later, when I sort of understood what this was all about, I was like, oh, my God, you know, these people just went out of their way to make sure that I succeeded in that role because... It's the way I work now is because when you succeed, they succeed. When they succeed, you succeed. Right. It became this thing that you suddenly you're like, oh, oh, now I get it. So it was kind of uh, fun. And from that, um, uh, Joel Silver uh, cast me into Weird Science,
0: we- which is interesting because at first, when, you, when I saw that movie, i like, well, this is like basically the same character, but. It's more of a testament to how iconic Wes was in Bad Max 2 that Joel Silver was like, you could have fun with this.
1: Oh, yeah. And it was was funny because he had to fight Warner Brothers to get permission to do it, and they wouldn't give it to him. So they just changed, if you notice, the the costuming a bit, the hairstyle a bit, um, and did things because he was determined that I was going to be, and also it was the director as well. They were determined that that was the character I was going to be, and that was the character that was going to come in. And I was going to have fun with it, and um, it, it was uh, an, an amazing film to do because if you remember that film, there were so many people in that film that went on to become major, major, major stars.
0: Oh, know? everyone, Iron Man.
1: yeah, Robert Downey Jr., you know, and, and things. So it was just one of those films, and uh i enjoyed that. i had a lot of fun and while i was here joel said to me i'm doing this film next it's called commando with this uh, with arnold schwarzenegger i'm an australian we don't know who arnold schwarzenegger is he wasn't anything in australia you know here he was because of the muscle thing I had no idea and i went ah oh, uh-huh who the hell is arnold schwarzenegger whatever his name is um so it was just this sort of yeah whatever so he took me to meet the director and the director said no I've already chosen the person I want and uh, which didn't worry me I was quite happy to go back to Australia you know Um, so I went home and about uh, probably three months later uh, a good friend of mine was chasing me all over Melbourne one night to try to let me know that I had a phone call from Joel Silver in America and I had to ring him urgently, and of course Being a total Australian, I went, "Yeah, screw him. I'll ring him tomorrow morning when I get up." And (laughs) they were like, "Uh, "I don't think so. I think you'll ring him now." And it's like, "Why? Asshole didn't want me before. What's he going to do now?" You know, total Australian. And uh, so I rang Joel, and he said, "Um, "I need you over here, and within 48 hours, you've got 24 hours to get your life in order, and then you're on a plane." And I was like, "What? Excuse me? Who? Where?" And so, basically, um, I flew back, um, arrived in the States, uh, went to bed, got up six hours later, went to wardrobe. They had a, a fitting of the costume that had been worn by the previous actor.
0: Now, was that the original costume that he wore? Yeah. Interesting.
1: Yeah. Totally interesting. When he was a little smaller than me, there was places that... <laughs> I thought I'd never use again. That costume was just a little tight. Uh, but anyway, they let things out, and you know, it was always um, shaved my uh, beard off, just look good. It made me look like bloody Freddie Mercury, which I never realized. The funny thing is, I love it when you are so blasé to what's going on around you. The first time I realized that was they did a mad. Remember Mad Comics? Yes. They did a thing on commando. I've got two of them. I've got one that was for Road Warrior, one that was for Commando. And they did this thing on commando in it. And they had this thing where then across the front of my shirt, it says, I am not Freddie Mercury on steroids. And I went, what the, oh shit. And it was the first time it ever dawned on me in that whole time. i never ever realized that I, I looked very similar to Freddie Mercury, which to me is like the greatest compliment I could get. Freddie Mercury was one of my heroes. So right. being being uh, told that I look like him was like, oh my God, that is so cool. But, you know. What was,
0: it, what was your first scene with Arnold? Like, how did you beat him? Was it with the trailer or it was it like, hey, get the set? And this is it. Well,
1: he was tied to a table and I had a knife at his throat. <laughs> it was actually quite interesting because. I work a little differently to, um, uh, to the American actors because I, I kind of watch what's going on. I want to know where the camera is, where the lights are, where the actors are, what's going on, you know, who's doing what. It was just the way I was taught with George, And uh, we were doing the scene and I was very sleepy anyway. I got a 12-hour flight and six hours of sleep. I was a little bit um, jet-lagged. And I was just sort of walking through the rehearsals, you know, like, yeah, you, know, I, you know, I mean, like that. I uh, was a little upset. You know, he sort of thought that, you know, Joel, I'm uh, not quite sure what's wrong with him, but it ain't going to work and Joel was like, well, let's give it a let's do this scene and see where we go with that sort of thing. So, um, of course, a the minute they said action. I just had this knife deeply embedded in his throat during the scene when it was finished. Joel said, so what do you think and Joel, and um, his comment was don't ever give him a real knife.
0: <laughs> awesome.
1: So we became good friends. I mean both him and Mel are very much like kids in a in a toy shop. You know they they both like big kids. They they're always pulling pranks their eyes but they they're very professional when they work um but they're like big kids you know you you at, at times you sort of think you know i i just want to take him outside and kick his ass but then you know if you do that he's going to kick yours and it'll hurt more than yours did so you you tend to be very forgiving for all the the bad jokes they do when they pull your trailer apart and you know just little things
0: how fun is it for you to be part of this pop culture lexicon where your certain one-liners, or how you say "hello, John," or these different, even your character deaths in Road War or Bad Max 2 and Commando are so iconic that is it. So the Commando, when you get paled by the the uh, steam pipe, did you know at the time that would be a meme years down the road, or people talked about that? And that's just a classic scene.
1: No, I I was just busy doing my job. The thing that the thing that did get me was that. When in that scene, Arnie was determined to throw that piece of pipe into my chest. And the worst thing you can ever see as an actor is on a six foot high ladder, six foot of Arnold Schwarzenegger with a grin that goes all the way across his face, holding this pipe and going, this isn't going to hurt a bit, Vernon. And you're like, I am going to suffer. I know I will be bruised all the way to my elbows when he throws at it. and of course you know he's hurling this thing down the into my chest plate but it was fun I mean you know, that's the kind of uh, stuff you the camaraderie on sets is I think what makes it work and also I think having fun with what you've got you know people tend to take it all too seriously when if you're enjoying it and you're having fun doing it, it tends to come out in the film. You know, people tend to look at the film and they see something, you know, your eyes have always got to be alive. People always say to me, everything you do, you can see in your eyes, which is true because your eyes, and I, I watch films and so many actors, their eyes are just like, there's nothing there. They're just normal. Whereas that should be where the emotion is playing. If you're into the character. And, yeah, there's there is
0: something about that character though. It's like we we talked kind of before, I mean with live, but uh when I'm on the road with doing security for the band Shinedown, Commando is one of those movies we always kind of reference with inside jokes or whatever. But the guitar player Zach will always go on the radio, Hello John, or he'll quote these lines and it it just it makes me really appreciate like growing up in a time where movies like that were so awesome The if you were a part of these movies and to talk to you right now is just awesome.
1: Oh, you know, I'm, as I said, I've had an amazing career and still I'm having an amazing career. Um, I, I think I'm blessed for what I've got. Um, I would not be here, and I say this with all sincerity, I would not be here in this position talking to you if it wasn't for the little Buddhist over here that I'm married to, um, because I was on a downhill run. I really was. Um very quick downhill run that would have probably ended with me being put in a box right uh, but she everything changed uh, 28 years ago and uh, everything changed in my career 28 years ago i suddenly mm-hmm. started doing my job the way it was supposed to be done and uh, mm-hmm. i haven't stopped working since um and i think it's all I had too much, too soon, too quick. And I didn't know how to handle it, and I didn't know what it was. And I could not cope with who I was. It took me three or four years to get around being Wes. It was something that people always mentioned to me, and it used to annoy the hell out of me. It was like, I had this dumb thing with, I'm an actor, for God's sake. You know, it's not the only bloody thing I can do. And then it was Commando, and it's like, oh, for God's sake. You know, it was like. pound me with Commando, and it's like you know, I, I have done other things, and they go, oh yeah, weird science was great, but Commando, you know, and and and
0: uh, and and Mad Max,
1: you know, that that's that's like Superman. That is, uh, I I couldn't handle it. I really couldn't. It was like this huge millstone around my neck, which followed me around and and just wore me down. And I can remember doing an audition um many many years ago where i walked into a room and i got this the the sides and i went this is like mad max 2 you know very similar type character the whole thing and i went in and the uh there's like probably eight people at the table and the uh, casting director said um, is there anything you need to know about the character and i said no i think i've pretty much got it down they said well you know this is a very particular thing we want so uh, we'd like to tell you what we're looking at and I said well uh, whatever so they sat there and they said um, did you ever see the movie Road Warrior and I went actually yes I did they said well the character in that of Wes you know the gentleman with the mohawk I said "Uh uh-huh They said, well, that's the kind of character that we're looking for. And I said, wow, okay." so what was going on? I'm thinking I'm being set up by my idiot friends in one of those, you know, gotcha things. So I'm playing along, you know, like, oh, my God, that's wonderful. And they said, so um, we're um, looking for that. Just to let you know right off the bat, we're looking for that actor. We can't find him. No one's quite sure if he's in America or in Australia. And I said, oh, and they said, so uh, if, if, if we did find him, he would probably be our first choice, but we don't want that to affect your audition. I said, oh, no, that's cool. So I do the audition, of course, and then they go, wow, that was good. That was, wow, that was not quite as good as the actor did. <laughs> However, that was good and you would be our choice if we can't find him and i said oh that's great thank you by this time i've worked out they have no idea who i am wow and the the guy said to me would you happen to have a headshot and i said sure sure and on my headshot was a little picture from road Warrior and a little picture from commando in the corners you know polywoggers. so i just threw it across the table to him and he sort of went oh yes this is oh and he looked up and i went you know, I would have loved to have done your film, but unfortunately, uh, I think I'll probably be busy when you're doing it. So, but thank you for the audition and walked out. Awesome. I would not work for him. I, love- I was so pissed. But it was just that ridiculous. And it wasn't, you know, I wasn't pissed because they didn't know who I was. I was pissed because they didn't do their homework. You know, the, the logic is that, hey, we're having these people come into audition, so maybe we should see what they've done so we can talk to them. It'd be like you sitting there going, so what have you done? Um, I, I know your face is familiar, but what have you done? Right. It would it, be that kind of thing. And it's like, come on, give me a break. You know, it's not that difficult. I mean, I did a, a, a podcast the other day, which was so funny. This it was an Irish, it was from Ireland, by the way. And the, the guy like you that's doing the interview, he was asking me questions, and telling me things about Commando and that that I had no idea. I, I was like, see, "This was me." What? Seriously? Oh crap! I didn't know that. Where did that was <laughs> like he was coming out with all this shit, and I was like, "Dude, you you amazed me." And he had found out things that I didn't know. I never knew who I replaced in commando. I actually never wanted to because, as far as I was concerned, that really had nothing to do with me. I, right. uh, they decided to replace him, that was it. He had the character, the guy's name. Fascinating. And I said, um, uh, okay, thank you, um, hmm, I'll. I'll that will be in my brain now forever. I really didn't need that, but, you know, so it's kind of interesting at times just you know, you you do things. You feel that that what you have achieved is is great. I mean, don't get me wrong. Now, I am a, a incredibly proud of what I've done. I mean, incredibly proud of my ability to be able to do what I do. Um, but it took a long time for me to get there. Um, I was always very Skeptical of who I was, and then I let that become the the millstone around my neck, the burden that I had to carry. Um, I think I thought more than anything that I didn't deserve it, and so it became difficult for me. But then, when I look back, all of those emotions that I had then were what drove my most iconic characters.
0: Right.
1: Which is the, the weird part of it is that that drove what I was doing, and that made those characters come to life.
0: I think it's so cool that, like you said, you put so much of these characters, and for the fans to still, 30, 35 years later, after these movies come out, people are still wanting to know you, see you, meet you, take pictures with you. And I know George Miller kind of opened up the world again with Fury Road, and people are always like, well, man, we should, it'd be cool to have Vernon back and stuff, but you have such an iconic character in Bad Backs 2, that if I see you in Fury Road 2 or Fury so I'm going to be thinking of you as Wes. And so that might be a testament to how good that character really is.
1: Well, that's exactly what George said to me, actually. When they were doing uh, Fury Road, um, I had nothing to do with it, by the way, but there was this whole big thing on the internet, you know, we want Vernon Wells in Fury Road. And um, I was in England at a convention and the other writer that was writing with George at that time came up to me and he said, uh, hi, Vern, I'm so-and-so. I'm uh, one of the writers, you know, co-writer on Fury Road. And I said, oh, great, happy to meet you. And he said, I've got a message from George Miller. And I said, ah, oh, because I adore George and George is a really close friend. And um, he I think he's actually closer to my wife than me, but, you know, that's all right. I forgive him. Um, he uh, he said uh, George has uh, George said that call up the hounds. You're not in the film, and I went, what? Like, what, what, what are you talking about? And he said, there's this whole big thing on the internet to put you in Fury Road, and George can't put you in it because you created a character that won't die. And he said, no matter what he does with you, if he puts a bag over your head, people will figure out who you are. And now we're doing. Uh, um, road warrior two and that's not what we're doing and I agree the you're right. not upset at all I said I'm hey I've already figured that one out but um, you know I had my few minutes of glory and and I was proud of that um, so it's just you know you do them and they become a little bit more bigger than life and, and they tend to control you at times. Um, and what you do and how you do it. But I've been very fortunate that I've had a few friends who are directors that I work with a lot who have taken me from that and put me into to films where I actually have to act, you know, like and I'm not saying I didn't act in those. I mean, you know, where I actually have to act like an actor. I have to get out there and make it work because I'm playing the good guy. Right. To me playing the villain is is so much more fun. Number one. And it's it's something that you have to create, you know. And it's got nothing to do with you unless you're a moron. Um, But it's got nothing to do with you. It's just a character you create. It's it's something you come up with.
0: So before before I let you go, uh, one of the things that really interested me, you got involved in video games. So how did that come about? If you can kind of quickly describe the difference between acting in a video game versus a movie.
1: Let me think. Actually, it came about because um, a long, long time ago, somebody said to me, you have got the most amazing voice. You've got to do video games. And I went, yeah, screw you too. Um, and that was it, basically. I was not going to do it. Um, and eventually, I got talked into getting an agent for a voiceovers, and that went exactly nowhere because I had no idea what to do with me. Then a good friend of mine managed to get me into his agency and... Uh, the gentleman that was my agent was fascinated with Road Warrior. So he pushed me really hard. So I became um, quite successful at doing uh, voiceover. Then I got asked to do a couple of um, small Australian type. uh, Like there was one that was um, an Australian animated film, which I voiced one of the characters in, which was kind of fun. I was just doing an Australian. But then it moved on from there, and I got asked to do some of the biggest video games that came out. And um, the thing that I love about doing voiceovers is that I can drag my potty little butt out of bed, don't have a shower, don't give a crap, go to the studio, get a bottle of water and half an apple, and sit my grotty butt down on a chair and work for the next three hours, and it's that. That's all they want. They don't care about this. They want that. Right. Um, and that's what I love about it is is because it's so much more fun. Um, where you, you're not having to learn the script, you're not having to create a character, you're not having to do anything. You're having you go into a studio and you become the character there vocally, and you've got wonderful um, directors who uh, know what they're doing and they tell you you know this is how i want it that's how i want to do it this way and and you do it and i've been as i said i've been incredibly fortunate uh, to be in four or five of the biggest games out there you know right. voice characters but i always remember before i go one little well we're nearly close to going anyway the fun story is that i got asked to uh, to do um, do our sex mankind divided which was
0: right monstrous. right
1: and um, I went up to to Montreal to do the voiceover for it and also to do the mocap you know motion capture my first motion capture yay and you know I have photographs of me in a wonderfully green suit with little white balls all over me I look like somebody's chucked up on the floor or their cat was sick or something and I was on the set and Everything you do, of course, as you probably know, is is you point to things and you touch things that aren't there. It's going to be done in the when they do the game because it's not you; they're they're creating a um, animation of you. I didn't realize that, so I've got cameras on me, up me, all over me, doing this thing. And um, the night before, they'd added quite a lot of dialogue to what I was doing, and they'd said, "Don't worry about." Learning and just get it into your head. We're going to put it on the screen and you can just read it, you know, so you'll be fine. So I said, Oh, great. So I start off, I'm doing my thing, I'm touching things, I'm moving things, you know, exactly where they're supposed to be. And I turn around, I'm supposed to be talking to my crew who are to my left, but I'm facing the right, looking at a screen for the dialogue. And about two sentences in, I stop and uh, i got an earpiece in and the director says something wrong vernon and i said uh yeah i have a problem and he said what's what's the problem and i said well all of the other characters are off to my left and i'm facing the right um that's going to look a little weird because i'm not looking at them while i'm talking and there was this whole silence and then this voice went it's animation dumbass. we can have your head wherever we want it now just read the lines right i knew that i was testing you you know i was like actor you know the brain doesn't stop it's like no i can't be looking there i've got to be looking here you know you're not realizing that it's not you you're going to become an animated character which they'll put wherever they want it
0: well i want to thank you vernon for your time and uh a special thank you to your wife to keeping you motivated and keep you going and uh it's your your roles and movies have been a uh, big part of my life. And uh, I want to thank you for the time and much we love and respect. Well,
1: thank you for even wanting to uh, interview me. It's wonderful to be on your show, John. I love it. Um, and if if you uh, are bored one day and you want to talk to me again, please let me know and I'll come on and we can be bored together.
0: Oh, I'd love to. You, before you leave, if you could say that Commando lied, uh, hello, John. I'm going to create that as a text. I'm going to send that to my guitar player because he'll lose his vibe.
1: Do you want that one or John, I'll be back?
0: John, I'll be back.
1: (laughs) Okay. I'll do that one for you. John. John. I'll be back, John.
0: Vernon, you are the best.
1: Thank you, my friend.
0: And uh, be safe and we'll talk soon.
1: Same to you, please. Thank Thank you. you. happy thanksgiving Thanksgiving,
0: my friend be safe thank you
1: thank you bro